Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 21, The Muse, teleplay by Renee Echeverria and directed by David Livingston. The Muse aired on April 29th, 1996. And now imagine, dear listeners, this is where we drop like, you know, uh, a hit of, you know, a 20 second clip of supermassive black hole. Um, Supermassive black hole. So it's funny that you say that because um, I don't know what that is, but that's beside the point. I was like, April 29th, isn't that the name of that Sublime song? But that was 1992. Um, April 29th, 1992 is a Sublime song title. And I was like, right. oh, it's the wrong year. So I was going to sing it, but it's the um, wrong year. Supermassive, so. Supermassive Black Hole is a, is a song by the, um, what would you call them? Like, Well, what band is it? Muse. Oh. Oh. Okay. I like, get it. It's, it's not... I think I saw them in concert, but I just like never was a huge fan, so I don't remember. It's not like prog rock because that's older yeah. but it's not not prog rock i can't there's a specific genre that i can't remember the name of right now progressive it's metal like, <laughs> yeah that's yeah yeah that, that took right. um, about two seconds of googling um <laughs> so yeah i once went to it was down in camden which is like has a an amphitheater type venue because but a lot of times it's um, marketed as Philadelphia because <laughs> it's literally like right over the water. But um, they had a festival where I've seen many shows at this place. Actually, I saw Atlantis there. Um, so a bunch of people. Um, but we went once and it was the cure was like having some sort of festival. And then there were like little stages in like other areas around the amphitheater. It was it's one of those like outdoor amphitheater type of places. Right, 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 right. Um, so so Muse I think was one of the bands on the main stage, but I don't really remember their set. I think it was Muse, um, but the Cure was amazing, and the other band that I really liked was Melissa Alftemar from Hole had like a band just called Alftemar and like they were really fun but I never listened to them again (laughs) oh well it was like pre like everyone having like Apple music and and all of that where it's like easy to just listen to music you had to download it illegally probably to listen to it without buying it which is something that we did but you know whatevs and then loaded up the family computer with every virus known to man. <laughs> this week on Deep Space Nine, a mysterious woman helps Jake write a novel. Luxana Troy, pregnant with a son, asks Odo to help her escape her husband. Hey, guess what? You remembered this episode? Um, no. I was going to say, <laughs> we have an A plot and a B plot. Yay! <laughs> oh, always nice when we can actually format the show the way we planned yes. on it. <laughs> I also will say I only liked the B plot. <laughs> um, 
actually, no one was really happy with this episode. Um, I read that David Livingston, the director, wished that they never produced it. I'm like, that's very severe. It definitely seems like when you read kind of some of the production history, um, like a memory alpha and stuff, that it's like this was one of those episodes that just got workshopped to death. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they didn't like they had they had the kernel of like the idea of the the Loxana story from suggested by Majel herself. Yeah. And it was like building the rest of the episode around it. And then, you know, it had a couple different iterations and then wanting to, you know, do something again, like post the visitor, which was earlier this season with Jake and his creativity. It just, yeah, I think they, it's a they mishmash. overcooked it. Yeah, they overcooked it for sure. They said what I read was that normally, like script, um, <clears throat> script meetings were like usually like two days, and this one was the longest in the entire run of the show, and it was like six days long of them trying to like figure out the script. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe they should have just scrapped it. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, this was um, Majel's last time playing Loxana Troy and her last um, on-screen Star Trek performance. We do get her as a lot of the Starfleet computer voices mm-hmm. um, in later things, but this was her last on-screen. End of an era. Yeah, I was talking with AJ about this because we watched the episode on Friday together and... Mm-hmm. We both agreed that it was really awesome that they gave Loxana um, stories that had nothing to do with Deanna after uh, TNG ended. Um, And we just thought that was really great because she was her own person. Not everything was about her daughter. um, And that is really nice that it continued even after um, TNG ended. Well, and even if you do want to kind of, like, tie it back in terms of, like, continuity and, like, TNG, um, there was the the Kirsten Dunst guest starring episode of of little, you know, um, Interview with the Vampire era, Kiki Dunst um, (laughs) episode. Yeah. That that's what we called her, you know, when back backstage, um, we called her Kiki. I was wondering Um, where you got that from because I have never heard anyone call her that before. Well, I'm 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 pretty sure that's um what oh what's his name? Her partner. I can see oh, his face. Um Why can't the I guy in the things. I Landry always forget his from... No, I don't even know what that is, but I know what you're talking about. I he's one of those people that like I know he's forget like, his name. But one of the best ah, I feel so bad. It was like one of the best character actors of our generation, Jesse Plemons. Yes, thank you. But didn't have to look it up. I knew he I calls her Kiki. It. I would have gotten there eventually. By the way, no, I don't know if he calls her that. Oh, I, I, I thought so. You're calls... making this. You're playing around. I couldn't tell yeah, if I'm... you like had some inside, insider. Um, no, I'm knowledge. I'm performing so... slander. I'm performing <laughs> okay. slander. Please do I'm not speaking... add us or sue us. We're joking. I I am speaking possible mistruths. Um, <laughs> but really, we have no way of knowing. So maybe it's like Schrodinger's Kiki. Maybe. Um, before we get um, into talking about the B plot, which was Odo and Lexana, I just wanted to say we have some really good guest stars in this episode. That's another positive thing. Um, one of them is not <laughs> Kiki Dunst, though. No, we have Meg Foster as Anaya. Um, 
I mostly know her as Evil Lynn in the live action 80s movie Masters of the Universe. Um, she was also Holly in John Carpenter's They Live. But she's just one of those actors that's like in a bunch of stuff. And I always think she looks like more blue eyed um, Kirstie Alley. Like she has like a Kirstie Alley face look to me. But like the, I always they're different. Both Elijah Wood's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we have michael and sarah who played luxana's husband jl but we previously have seen him as kang in tos the day of the dove blood oath from deep space nine and later in voyager he's in an episode called flashback as that same character a flashback being voyager's 30th anniversary of star trek episode which happens next season because they flash back to Tuvok being on the Excelsior during um, Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country Um, my favorite and uh, DS9's 30th anniversary episode of Star Trek we will talk about early next season excuse me so so occasionally I will be blow, uh, clearing my throat and nose. It's real It's real sexy over here. Um, first we have Odo and Loxana. And I've officially decided that even though I like this plot, it makes absolutely no sense to me that Loxana would marry this dude, even if he tried to be like, it'll be different with our children. <laughs> Anyone who's yeah. like, this is our history, but it'll be different with us. I'm like, okay, you need to prove that before. I can have it's sex- like girl, sexual relationships. Red flags. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's like when you accidentally have sex with someone that's like, like anti-choice or something, and like have to deal with that. Like that's what this feels like to me. <laughs> it's like maybe you should um, have that conversation before you fuck. Although they did, and he changed his mind, so it's really not on Luxana. It just, you know, it just bothered me. I was like, this guy sucks. Um, yeah, and to yeah. S- and to bring us back to what you were talking about earlier, um, Laksana is well. Just to reiterate real quick, basically she married this guy who is a species that I don't remember what it's called, but it starts with a T. And they have very strict things regarding gender, which are fucking awful. Where like the boys are raised by the men and the girls are raised by the women, and it's like you don't even learn that the other sex is a thing until you're like 16 years old that is the most fucked up shit i've ever heard um and so Luxana does not want to lose her her son as soon as he's born and it really brought up a lot of feelings about when her daughter kestra died which is brought up in the tng episode dark page which was the um, starring kiki dunst sorry starring kiki dunst um we're just going to call her that from for the rest of this podcast. And by, by podcast, I don't mean this episode. I meant, like, the entirety of our podcast. We're just going to call her Kiki Dunst from now on. Um, and that episode is really dark. And then I laughed because I remembered that the episode was called Dark Page. And I was like, oh, yeah. They said it right there in the title. Um, I always forget that, like, in addition to Laksana being able to feel how other people feel... She can project her feelings onto others, um, often unintentionally, and that is something that happens in this episode when she's being really depressed about everything that's happening with her marriage and her baby, 
you just see like Worf, Dax, and Kira in the bar, like looking depressed as fuck. Like clearly, Dax and Kira were gonna go do some like cosplay, like um, stuff in, in the hollow deck or hollow suite or whatever. Um, I guess I always I should just remember that it's a hollow suite in Deep Space Nine, in Deep Space Nine, but in TNG they call it a hollow deck. Um, maybe it's like one floor of the, of the Enterprise. <laughs> Anyway, um, and, like, Lexana just changes the mood for the entire bar. Everyone looks so sad. Um, but I did wonder if Lexana knew that Worf dated Deanna at the end of TNG. I they're just standing, They're just sitting next thought. to each other and, like, not saying anything. And I'm just like, this is weird. <laughs> like, Lexana is not the type of person that would not say something about that to him, you know? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had that same thought too. It's like, how awkward must this be that it's like your, your former like you know kind of partner situationships mom? That's just like, yeah, yeah. Um, a relationship that I don't find awkward. I'm obsessed with Odo and Lexana's friendship. He's like a different person around her. He is playful. I mean. I love when they're playing that game, like, find the changeling, basically. Um, it's obvious that he's lonely, too, and she is, like, a good, such a good friend. They're such good friends to each other, and I think it reminds me of something that Tessa and I have been talking about lately, like, being kind versus being nice, um, and right. how, like, it kind of... Did you watch the movie The Holdovers that just came out? Not yet. Well, that like this is something that comes up in that movie to me. Like, there's there's um there's like being kind to people when they're going through stuff. Base is way different than like niceties and being polite and like the letter the latter thing could be like nice, but it's not real. And I feel like yeah, being kind and being there for someone is just way more important. It's like the difference of being like polite versus like being kind even or yeah that's what i mean right yeah it's just he like he makes a blanket for her when she falls asleep on him it's so sweet i don't know he just and he offers to marry her so that she could be safe with her baby and i just think that is the sweetest thing that odo has ever done for anyone yeah yeah i do kind of want and when i say kind of i mean high level want um, a romance novel about Odo and Laksana actually falling in love now that they're married. Like, please give me forced marriage, um, fall in love. Like, I would enjoy that a lot. I am almost certain that it would be on AO3 if I, if I wanted to find it. Um, but that just would be such a nice, I'd read that book. I'd also make you read that book. But I, I know you wouldn't read it, but I would tell you bits of it anyway. Yeah, I, I really like that they're like, and I guess this is something that, you know, DS9 maybe, or even late TNG might have done it too, as they like kind of flirt with more serialization, but that the intimacy of being, you know, stuck in the turbo lift together and, you know, Luxana cradling Odo in his his liquid state so he could regenerate, et cetera, et cetera, that that intimacy has, like, carried over. And it's like there's no 
there's no real pretense with them anymore. They can like, right. Just be themselves and like genuinely and like truly like be themselves as opposed to like, Oh, I have to be Odo the cop or I have to be, you know, Luxana, yeah, they don't the, have to like, necessarily kooky, fun loving be... party girl. Yeah. Like, you know? They don't have to be on all the time for each other. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Which is like such an amazing level of friendship that is so hard. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I have that with very few people and it's, it's really hard to get to that level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a less serious note, AJ and I were wondering, do you think that Laksana travels with all of her wigs or does she replicate a new one each day? Um, that's a interesting question. I mean, <laughs> I think I like, the, I like the idea of like it being sometimes one and sometimes the other. Yeah, that's probably where I would land because we do know, I think it's actually from her first appearance on TNG where she has that really big heavy suitcase that right. oh, she makes yeah, like yeah. Picard carry and then Mr. <laughs> Holm, her that. like, um, her, her manservant. Like, um, yeah, her valet. Um, yes. Just picks it up really easily and that's the gag, but yeah. <laughs> she needs a really strong valet. Yeah. The va- does, is the valet... He wasn't in this episode, was he? This was no. one of the first times. I don't think we... he's been in any of the DS9 ones, oh, to be honest. I wasn't. I actually don't. I didn't remember that, to be honest. <clears throat> so, Odo gets a chance to list all the things that he like loves about his friendship with Lexana during their wedding ceremony, and it was like really emotional. I mean, I still knew he wasn't in love with her, but it was really. He was. He didn't lie, you know. He's still telling the truth about how he felt. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. I'm not in your brain. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be in there anyways. Um, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Did it come back? No, it's 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 gone. Goodbye. Other than Michael and Sarah has has, and I think we probably talked about this too, and we did, um, blood oath. But and Sarah's got a great voice. Yeah. Um, also, the voice of Victor Freeze slash Mister Freeze on Batman the Animated Series. You know, I've never seen that show. I really should watch that. Cartoons are good. Yeah. No, I especially and like I think it like. It holds up a lot. Like, yeah, like, it still is ultimately, like, a cartoon. But, like, yeah, it, it, it holds up more on rewatch than, like, the it's some of its other contemporaries that I really liked mm. at the time. Um, like, even, like, the, the X-Men or the Spider-Man right. cartoons. Got um, it. Cool. I'm rewatching Archer now in um, cartoon worlds. I finally um, got... Not finally, because if you have the, like, Disney Plus Hulu bundle here... Yeah. Um you can like get a beta version of Hulu everything from Hulu being in the Disney Plus app instead of having two apps. So it's very funny. I'm like watching Archer on Disney Plus right now and it's just weird. I know that's how it works in the rest of the world, you know, but it's just yeah. like funny to have this on Disney Plus. 
Yeah, they kind of have it here. Like, I'm sure it'd be the same as, you know, the UK or whatever, where it's yeah. like, they call it Star. So yep. it's kind of like an app within an app that I'm sure, I think you can set parental controls. Yeah. So, like, certain content, yeah. if, like, you know, you're kid was using it or whatever but right right right. yeah that's how i watched american horror story we started watching so american horror story is now on disney plus for me too although i wouldn't i that's not for me but i'm watching the hulu show um murder at the end of the world with emma corin and clive owen that like new show it's pretty good um and that's like a hulu fx and it's like very dark and yeah previous to this we did get the netflix um marvel shows on disney plus so when that happened they actually had prompted me to set um because i own the account set everyone's parental uh, levels <laughs> i allowed my parents to watch um mature audience um shows i'm very nice so our a plot is jake and the muse do we and have to? Yes, we do have to. Um, I think the intention was that the relationship between Jake and the muse and Naya is supposed to be about his writing and creativity only, but I cannot help but see this as sexual in nature. The way Onaya touches Jake is extremely intimate. Um, there were times where I felt like the way she was reacting to like making him write was orgasmic um in a way like did you get that vibe i just felt like she was like getting off on this whole thing in a way that grossed me out because jake's like 17 yeah yeah i like they're ultimately i think where they land is they're going to like this you know quasi space vampire thing right um with kind of the the sensuality and like it's almost a little too i mean this is i said vampire and i'm going the other way it's a little phantom of the opera e too mm. um that idea of you know the the monster if you will and the you know creative ingenue um sort of situation there but yeah right. the idea of like the space this way of like doing like i know tos had the salt vampire but doing this kind of more straight space vampire thing feels very tos um but like we were talking about this this episode was overcooked and over workshopped and they only really like arrived at the space vampire thing when they realized that their original idea of having this older woman be interested in jake's creativity and just lying there and like or sitting there and like watching them them watching a writer work and going goo goo gaga over them was like totally self-insert like writer's hubris only like a writer could come up with it so they added this whole like space vampire thing which Okay, um, I have what? to fe- I have to feel like what we got is somehow better than their original plan even though it's not good. <laughs> and like as someone who like lives for vampire shit and like <laughs> and likes kind of the general like sensuality of like a lot of vampire stories and like and like the for lack of better the eroticism between it like i think mean like being a fan of that and like liking those tropes and like really made the problematic age gap really problematic like for me like in terms of the screen and it's not like it's not like we're meeting jake for the first time as this near legal adult right because he's what 17 18 or whatever here yeah because let's even say 
he's 18 and we're meeting him as 18. Right. And I think I looked it up. Um, the Meg Foster, was that her name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is I think about 47, 48 yeah. when they're making this episode. Um, it just, to me, it's like kind of like the Kiernan Shipka thing where like I watched Kiernan Shipka grow up as Sally Draper yeah. on Mad Men. And like, again, I know she's an adult now and makes, you know, is an adult, but it's like, I was like, oh, I watched you grow up. Like, I feel yeah. a little bit of that. No, way. I, I, agree. I, I think Jake's that's older than me, but right. Like, I yeah. think that's why I'm able. I mean, I think that unlike other people that are my age or older, that's why I can like look at Daniel Radcliffe and be like, oh, he's hot because I didn't grow up like watching those Harry movies. Potter, yeah. And like, I totally get what you're saying because. As another vampire fan, since I have a, a vampire-related p- other podcast, <laughs> um, I were watching season two of True Blood, and like Jessica, who's a new vampire, is like seventeen, and her boyfriend Hoyt is like in his twenties, and that age gap is not super great. But I also feel like the fact that Jessica has like lost her childhood because of being a vampire now it's like less problematic for me but also mid-20s is not 47 or whatever however old this meg foster person was like that age is too high for me and i am not one to like normally go crazy on age gaps but it's like it's just too much especially because onara onaya is like oh don't go to school like she's like really influencing him and isolating him from his from everybody like she convinces him not to go away with his parent his dad um to the point where like he doesn't he doesn't even stop to to eat while his dad's gone like he is just writing and writing and writing his nose starts bleeding it's so it's so bad so yeah yeah and i think that's where the age difference really starts to like yeah. creep me out is in that pattern of the way that Onaya isolates Jake and like makes herself the most important thing in his life. Like it, it triggers major icks for me. And like I don't, yeah. If it was, I don't someone... know how much time I want to spend on this, but that is a little, like, yeah. I think grooming that... adjacent and yes. not even adjacent. I agree. Right? I feel like if they had this Onaya thing with a with like an adult character that had like their own um that wasn't still figuring out like their life and everything it would be a lot less icky for me like yeah it would it would be a a very much like oh this is just a star trek thing that happens because this does feel like a star trek plot it's just the fact that eight that jake is a almost at best maybe at best an almost adult like yeah you know um at worst this is a child Um, I will say I was amused that Anaya claimed to be amused for other people like Keats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just like. <laughs> that just feels so. And this was my, my thought kind of skip. I had just to talk about now, but this was my, my nominee for most Star Trek thing. And like, <clears throat> excuse me, probably, <clears throat> excuse me, probably more specifically, this is part of the like, quasi original series vibes of it all but it's like that classic work of art and or you know fiction or you know literature or whatever that's famous 
aliens and i have like yeah <laughs> notes. i have the ancient aliens meme guy with the like crazy hair it's yeah like... i i will post that um picture when when we release this episode um um because it's, it's like it's there's that TO- sorry go ahead no yeah, there's I'm that just... tos episode no requiem from methuselah and it's like yes yes the biblical methuselahism is actually leonardo da vinci and this guy and this guy yes. and this guy and you I, know yeah he's here on this planet jack the ripper aliens <laughs> i thought jack and the ripper in the fold, was um played by piglet i oh, know i thought i was gonna say i thought jack the ripper was um hg <clears throat> wells's um friend in um time after time time after time which is a star wars is sorry oh my god i can't believe i just said that which is a Star Trek movie, in my opinion, because... Why, because Nicholas Meyer? Because Nicholas Meyer, and then he workshopped on Voyage Home and was actually mad that they, like, made that San Francisco because that is where they go in time after time, but, like, Nicholas Meyer, that's where Starfleet is, so you can just, like... It's always going to be San Francisco. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to you. Anyway, he thought they copied him, and it's like, because he was involved, he was just like, I don't, you know, I get it. You don't want to always go to the same place. Time after time. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like we can skip the thirst quencher. <laughs> Unless yeah. you had something. No, I just, the only thing worth mentioning is that the, the novel that Jake ends up oh, writing sorry. against them is the uh, one that's referenced in The Visitor as, like, his, like, debut, like, most successful, like, novel, right? So, tying it in there that it's there, but it makes me wonder in the alternate universe, was Anaya a thing? Mm. I don't know. The alternate timeline, I shouldn't say alternate universe, but. How do you feel about, at the end, after Jake's like brought back or whatever, um, Cisco being like, "This is your book." Still, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, Can I guess the, more? I just don't know how how much of it was Anaya. Like, I don't know. I think like the idea is like she's feeding off the the creativity and like the author's like talent. Um, so you think it's all his ideas? He just is doing a better job of getting it on paper. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. At least that was that was how like I chose to take that at like face value and interpret it that way. But I think I didn't. It didn't. I didn't occur. Sorry, I don't think it occurred to me that that's what it was until Cisco suggested that that's what it was. Yeah, it doesn't really matter ultimately, but just something I was thinking of. Um. Oh, I was laughing just like randomly related to the other plot. Um, I was a laughing. I forgot to mention this earlier that Odo and Luxana were basically wearing the same outfit to their wedding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then we were debating about whether Odo was actually wearing that or he just like changed into someone who had that on. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think it's real. Like, I don't think it's a real robe on him. He doesn't wear clothes. Well, th- and that's okay. This is like my weird nitpick with Odo and all of that. Like that's fine. Like just shape shift. Can can everyone fun. tell that we but like that plot? But why does the combat badge work? I don't know. Sorry, every- go ahead. I was just gonna say, can everyone tell that we like that storyline better? Um, it's like yeah, the, the combat part work? is really weird. I don't understand. It's like he should pin it on himself. Like I just 
Why? Did, how does like? Ugh, I don't understand. I really like. Don't what like. is he like? Okay, so like, if that if the combat works, that means to me that Odo can become anything electrical. Like, can he become like a refrigerator, a working refrigerator, because he can reproduce all of the like electrical shit? Like, it. I need to know these things. Or is the combat just like such a basic thing now in this world? That it's not hard <laughs> to replicate with goo. Maybe that's my most Star Trek thing. <laughs> yeah. Just Odo existing. That's not a good one. I don't really have <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag <Any>? aliens. <laughs> aliens. It's a very Kramer. Aliens. Aliens, Jerry. Um. <laughs> That was a good that have, tone the tone was correct. Do you have any kind of final thoughts, concluding thoughts? Um Meg Foster has really nice eyes, but they scare me. Well, Elise, until next time, where can folks find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Blue Sky Letterbox and Storygraph at Chicken Tendy, that's T N D I. You can find my other podcast, Fangbangers Pod, on Blue Sky and Instagram at Fangbangers Pod. That's bangers with a Z or a Z, as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Blue Sky at Maddie Hugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can also catch us together on Blue Sky and Instagram at at PodRace, and you can email us at PodRace at gmail.com. Remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.